Welcome to the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast. I'm Simon Delarue and we're continuing our analysis of the tax review debate to come next week with an interview now with the former Deputy Chief Minister and now leader of an alternative, a self-styled fairer alternative to GST, which is in the form of an amendment to the tax review debate next week, and that is Deputy Heidi Soulsby. Welcome. Welcome, Simon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So, um, first of all, please um, describe why you feel it necessary to offer this alternative to PNR's original proposals. Yeah, I mean, clearly, I, I, I had concerns with the proposals from PNR whilst I was on the committee, and ultimately, it was a, the final reason why I decided to resign. My, my concerns are around um, it wasn't a balanced approach. And really felt that over the since zero ten, the burden of tax has been pushed more and more onto households uh, compared to businesses. And at the same time, government's not looking at how it's um, controlling what it's doing, looking at what, what it's doing, what it could be doing differently, and what it should be ceasing altogether. And ultimately, don't think that um, the proposals put forward by um, P- PNR um, have really. Uh, got the trust of, of, the, of the public really I think they're saying f- fine if, if you've done if government's done all it all it can um, we'll say okay we might be happy to take such a an increased burden which is like GST will be another 68 million pounds of revenue being raised but I think the public are saying look we want to see government having done its thing before we say that yes we're happy to do that and very much concerned about that, the lack of balance within those proposals, which is what we're putting forward, which is different. In terms of um, planning out what government should be doing, um, deciding you know, the important pieces of work and the things that, that shouldn't be done um, and figuring out efficiencies, a major part of that was the government work plan, wasn't it? I know the financial transformation package as well, but you've, you've been at the very heart of this whole process um, is it an indictment of that process that we're now suggesting that government hasn't demonstrated to people that we've made the efficiencies necessary? No, and I think it's 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 a different um, part of the equation. The government work plan is really the start of all that. It's about saying, what is government doing? Can we afford to do all the things that um, committees say that they want to do? And putting those actions, those are what it, policy changes they want to make, prioritising those. The next stage is saying, well, look, look, what are we doing now already? Um, are we doing everything we should be, do- should be, do- are we doing too much? Are we, are there areas where if we did invest money, we'd actually save money? And this is all goes back to work that we did last term, particularly on health and social care, when we're saying, look, cost of health and care is going up and up. KPMG said it would co- cost you know, tens of millions of pounds if we didn't do something about restructuring health and social care, looking at what the universal offer should be. What should government be providing, either free or subsidised, what it should be commissioning out or what it shouldn't be doing at all. So it's a different element. It's saying what are committees actually doing in terms of services to the public? But with the adding into the mix the machinery of government review, which you're also uh, heavily involved in, doesn't don't these aren't these things already in train? These sorts of analyses where we're going to figure out the the, the role and size of government going forward. Well, that that's that's different. The machine of government is how 
um, committee's uh, work and how government works from a um, operational point of view, I guess, in terms of uh, how many members do you need on a committee and how could we get approvals working differently. That's kind of like the operational side. What we're talking about here is what actually what government actually does what what the services provided are we providing too much are we are we doing the wrong things are we do it could we do it in in a different way for me actually i think what we're setting out here looking at what government does is more important than just tinker around the edges in terms of what politicians are doing um, I asked you this question on Friday at that private meeting for media that, that you held, um, but I'll ask you again, what if this committee that you're proposing to set up to investigate the role and size of government concludes it should be bigger? What then? We'll, we'll have an even bu bigger budget to find. Well, no, and actually but the important thing we're saying here is we, it's not about um, an inward-looking committee. It's not something that's going away and saying, well, we're doing this, we could do that. And it's actually working with the public, direct public involvement. We thought about saying something like a citizens' assembly, but it doesn't need to be there. The people's ideas of what a citizens' assembly differ. What we're saying is we do need direct public involvement. If that is the case, then we have to stand back and say, okay, that, that's what we do. But at the moment, and this is the problem with the proposals, people just don't know what we're actually paying for. People don't think understand that you know there is vital work being done here, but actually not vital work being done there, which could save the state's money. So can you give an example? Example of some non-vital work that should be eliminated that would therefore save us some money. So I am not going to preempt such a review. If I did, it wouldn't be much point in having a review in the first place. And it shouldn't be about me either. This is about working together with the public to say this is what we think our government should be doing. And I think too too often we have individual opinions being touted out there as fat when when they're not. What we we should be doing is working with the public, and I think very, very much my, my feeling through since the proposals were put forward is um, that PNR have kind of lost the public. I mean, last night they had um, their presentation. I think only fifteen members of the public turned up. Nineteen, I was there. Nineteen, okay, well done. Well, well nineteen. <laughs> I'm, that's um, much bigger, I'm sure. Um, and only about 139, I think, maximum, um, were listening to it on Facebook. And that's, that, for me, says that um, really the, the public just doesn't, it's kind of lost it in, in it term, terms of what understanding what um, PNR are trying to do here. And yet your proposal depends on public engagement. You're saying that you need to bring the public uh, on board and in the investigation, this citizens' assembly type uh, idea that you've got. Um, and haven't we just had it demonstrated in the last couple of weeks that it's considerably easier to galvanise the public behind a say no to this banner than, than it is to actually engage them in the very complex and nuanced processes of government that they normally are quite happy to let the politicians deal with because it, the whole thing's a headache. Look, it's not going to be an easy exercise, but I think the public have felt that they've kind of I think there's an element of disenfranchisement out there. People don't feel that they have control. Things are happening and then they don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden there's um, proposals to increase taxes to pay for more. Well, 
what the exercise should do is really to help the public understand what government is doing. We're not saying that this process will say, right, we'll save £50 million. We're not saying that at all. What we're saying is that that work needs, needs to be done. And it's not just looking at that kind of general revenue expenditure side. It's also looking at um, how we can um, deal with capital expenditure better because it's, cl it's clear that there's um, a lack of understanding both as to the rules that the states have at the moment and, and what the definition of capital is for a start. So there, there is a lot here that I think it's about being op more open and transparent with the public. Um, on that business of uh, capital expenditure, um, this is one of the big items on your alternative. It, it's the nine, £19 million pounds of the, um, of the uh, reassessment, that, if you like, that you've, you've brought on board, is by um, saying, let's assume that in future we're going to spend 1.5% of GDP on capital projects uh, rather than 2%, as is the current uh, assumption. Um, and when I put th that to Deputy Fairbrush, he was saying that this was this was tokenism because ultimately that, that is set as a minimum. There'll be no guarantee that you keep spending down to that. And when I put it to Deputy Roffey, he said, well, if your solution in part depends on spending less on the island's infrastructure, then the, the island's fabric is going to erode. Well, on the last point, we're not saying we should be spending less on capital. We're not saying, right, let's cut what we're spending on capital. We haven't reached those levels of expenditure in the, over the last decade. And I don't think the last time we even got anywhere near it was on the, when we were looking at resurfacing the runway. It's not, we're not putting forward a cut in capital expenditure. We put, what we're putting forward is actually what the Public Policy and Resources Committee put forward last term, which was obviously, I would have thought, advised by the same people who've been uh, putting together the tax review, saying that 1.5% over four years seem reasonable if you know what can, can actually say what reasonable is. But even then, the states have never, haven't made that level of expenditure. What we're saying... And the only, actually, the, the reason why it's 2% is because of an amendment by Deputy Roffey in the last term. It wasn't what the previous committee were um, put forward, or as I say, what was advised then would be a more reasonable figure. But well, that, that, that was based, wasn't it? His, his argument at the time, which obviously won the support of a majority of members, was that GDP had grown and that also um, the... Um, the, the, there had, there has been. I'm sure nobody would argue about this. There has been underinvestment, um, and so we need, in some incremental way, to set out a plan to make up for that. Actually put in more capital expenditure. And I think that the issue you have, that the word that you use there is incrementally. What we're saying, we don't deny that there's been underinvestment um, in, in, in areas where it should have happened. But we're saying you just physically, the island itself physically can't do that amount of work. We're struggling to find, I mean, anybody's trying to get something work done on their home know how difficult it is getting uh, people to, to, to come and, and do that work, the, the time delays on that. And we're expecting to want to do it's it's like if we want to do it all at once and we're just saying we've got to plan it and that's what's been absolutely lacking in the states is planning
planning capital. We're saying that is what needs to be done and that's what we, we need we need to review. It's all very well saying we want well, we've got four hundred and thirty million pounds of major capital we need to spend and let's do it all now. We just can't do it. it and that is what what we're saying. We've never been able to do it. So why do we think we can do it differently now when in such difficult circumstances as well and at a time of high inflation so costs building costs etc real the highest they've been for, for a long long time and and really difficult as I say to get the people to be able to do it the more we want to do now the more we'll have to bring in the labour and contractors to do it and more of the money will go off island in the um, uh, work of these committees as they analyse what needs to be done, are, are those committees not going to take away, this is according to your plan, the setting up of these committees, are they not going to effectively sort of take over a large portion of the um, responsibilities of the Policy and Resources Committee? Um, and is that is that not a problem in trying to win the support of a, of a majority of deputies who obviously chose those people to be in Policy and Resources? It feels a bit like a power grab. Well, no, I mean, it's really about having a committee focused on that work. Um, I know that from the mandate of the Policy and Resource Committee, lots of other things that need looking at in terms of post-Brexit, um, all, all other the day-to-day -day stuff that, that needs to be done. All right? we, we believe that it needs to be focused, um, a group of people from across the states and, and non-states members to, to really be able to be focused on it and to, be, to report by the end of the term. And, and that is stuff that's all going to be going ongoing with the revenue rate raising measures that we've we've put in as well. It's not as if we, this is not a, oh, let's, let's stop everything and do a review. We've actually put forward um, measures that reduce the structural deficit more than the Policy and Resources Committee. One of the things I'd like to go back and pick up on that you mentioned earlier was um, about the the burden of taxation being having fallen more on households since mm -hmm. zero ten, and that uh, this would redress redress that to some extent. Um, one of the slides that was shown uh, last evening um, by Policy and Resources uh, showed that. Um, if I remember my figures correctly, um, £43 million of the additional money being brought in by their proposals will come from business and as against £27 million from uh, households. So they are already taking steps to try to shift the burden of taxation away from households to businesses. Uh, and in addition to that, doesn't isn't one of the big um, factors of their um, proposals, which it is, seems to be the thing that's brought Deputy Roffey on board in particular, it, that it represents a major redistribution of wealth, a, a, a unique opportunity to redistribute wealth on the island. Bringing GST and then having mitigation measures against it is not redistribution of wealth. What we've done is a redistribution of wealth through using the social security um, changes, which which we agree with, and also looking at how we can add um, develop more on the corporate side um and so, sorry how do, how do your proposals redistribute wealth in a way that theirs don't well you, they're, they're proposing a 50 social, because their redistribution is through social security contributions more you can't redistribute by people you're actually saying people are going to be spending more money but then you're going to be countering so 68 million to be raised through um gst i think 54 million of that will be from households and then the offsetting that 
less than half of that um, through income tax um, reduction, that 30,000, uh, first 30,000 um, at 15% and then a slightly higher allowance. Well, that's not going to make much of a difference to those people at the bottom who, who haven't got that money anyway. It's it's not really going to make a difference. The real chain progressiveness is within the social security contribution side of things. And how are you going to pay for that if you haven't got GST? We've shown that within the report very clearly what we're going to do. I mean, it's it's very very easy that the redistribution works through the social security contributions as well. That's the point. Most of the changes, the positive changes, are through social security contributions. It's not through the introduction of GST. The, 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 the two um, uh, interviewees I've, I've had in the last 24 hours, Deputies Fairbrush and Ruffy, really are not convinced by these numbers at all in terms of them stacking up and actually uh, 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 obtaining sufficient funds to be able to afford this uh, social security contribution reform that, that you're after. But the social security contribution changes actually bring in £90 million. So the idea that, oh, we're changing social security contributions and that means that um, we need to find money from elsewhere, within their calculations, it's within social security contributions. So what they've done, yes, the redistribution, that they're charging um, businesses more, that is from employers' contributions. So if we, if we had um, GST, you've got um, businesses having to pay increased employer contributions, increased in... Um, some of them will have to pay a financial services entity fee for um, for for GST. They've got secretary pensions to look at, and also having to manage GST. What we're saying is we've got we're happy with those more sort of happy to accept the uh, contribution changes because changing the employer contributions and, and increasing those and employee contributions and redistributing everything makes it more progressive. But what we're saying is not we do not need because we found other other revenue raising measures we don't need the extra to top it up. So th there's been a bit of sleight of hand I think within the uh, policy letter to making out that we, we're redistributing and making contributions better. So that means that we've got to find we've got to have GST. That's not what it, that that's not how the numbers stack up. What sort of response have you had since you uh, announced to the public uh, these proposals on Monday? It's been really positive. Um, people have been very, um, yeah, really positive from what we're trying to do. And I, I, we sent this to people who, in, in the finance world and business people, and then they get it. You know, this isn't pie in the sky stuff. This isn't this isn't stuff that we've just um, thrown together on the back of a fab packet. We put a lot of work into this and trying to get to those numbers. Precisely that the com comment you just made about um, um, contributions in social security. We're trying to get ahead around because that's the narrative we were told. Well, we can't do. You know, if you want to make those changes. Social Security, you're going to have to bring in GST. It doesn't add up. Their, their numbers don't add up. Ours do. We've done a summary. If anybody wants to um, look at our fair alternative, um, a summary of our package compared with PNR, we actually reduce the structural deficit by more than they do through the work that we've done. And you'll see that within that, we've we've 
we've we've left the um, more or less the social security contribution changes alone, but we have said, well, why why by by doing this and and by do, what they're doing, some of the richest people are going to be rich. They're going to get an allowance under the new system. Why should they be getting an allowance when we've got a tapering uh, system um, under income tax? So we've put forward the, the proposal that the allowance for social security contributions is tapered in the same way as income tax. So again, that's showing how we're trying to make this a, a fairer alternative. And uh, as you mention it, where, where can people find this fairer alternative? Well, you can either go to gov.gg and, and trail right the way through to finding states information, or you can go to www.heidisalsby.com and it's on the front page of my site there. And people can look at the amendment and the, the um, accompanying report that goes with it. And you've consulted widely on this uh, document over the, the time. The, the, the policy and resources policy letter was published on the 28th of November, I believe. Yeah. So you, We worked you, you from were... that moment... Um, working together, a bunch of us um, putting this together. So that's right through from end of November through COVID that I had, <laughs> through through Christmas, New Year, and uh, until the, the the moment we published it. So um, the result of a lot of hard work and cult- consultation. Then um, again, I want to ask you a question that I asked you on Friday, um, but the um, we others won't have heard. Uh, your response. So now's another opportunity to revisit it. Um, disappointment was um, uh, expressed by Deputy Fairbrush that he found out about these proposals at quarter past five on Sunday. Um, you sent them. You sent the details of this to us on Thursday, which was uh, yeah, thank you for that because we were due to meet you on f- Friday, and it meant that we could ask sensible questions because we'd had a chance to to look at it or. I'm not saying I asked sensible questions, but at least I had the opportunity to do so. Um, why was it necessary to keep this from them until Sunday? Because I, I would imagine that under other circumstances, you may have felt that a collegiate approach where you were, went straight to PNR and said, well, we've got these ideas, what do you think about them, might have been, um, a, a, well, as I say, a more collegiate approach. Well, I, I sent before called a quarter past five, I think it was like quarter to five, but that's that's neither here nor there. The point, we've been working on this full full stop, uh, full time for the, for the last few months. And up to the moment that we saw you, that's when we more or less got it finalised. I think you, you I, we said at the time, we still had to um, get um, the comments from the law officers. So it was still draft when we spoke to you. We have um, talked to the officers at PNR and went gone through the figures. We got them to clarify that the numbers that we had on here were correct. Um, we also sought clarification on certain areas, things that we thought about putting in and we didn't. We listened to them and, and, and what they had to say. Um, but the truth is, I know I was on the committee. They're wedded to the proposals that they have. We didn't, the, the, to be talking to them about, well, here's an alternative, would you support it right now, was not going to happen. Now, the reason why you have um, a deadline for submissions, which was last Tuesday, it gives that committee time to consider and see what alternatives they might want to put forward uh, and be able to respond. So they have had, it gives them, since when, when the, everything was made public, 
to look at it. That's why we have that that gap in, to between now and the debate to be able to focus on it. So I don't think we would have changed. I mean, it'd be amazing if we could have done because I couldn't manage that when I was on the committee. But to change them around, turn around and say, yeah, actually, we totally agree with you, what you're saying now. We don't need GST. Um, we don't. That's fine. We'll do it. I, I, well, I mean, I might be wrong, but I find that difficult to um, to believe. Um. I've obviously focused quite a lot on uh, your proposals and those of policy and resources, obviously. Um, but there is this other um, alternative, which is being offered by Deputy Charles Parkinson, backed by Deputy Liam McKenna. And um, although it, we can't necessarily assume that all of the nine deputies who have backed the Say No to GST campaign will necessarily um, support uh, his particular uh, alternative, it seems likely that at least a few of them will. Uh, have you had any conversations with that group of deputies about um, which way you might go because obviously you can't adopt um, your proposals and their proposals it can have to be one or the other if it's not the policy and resources original proposals so is is there likely to be some sort of cooperation or some teaming up I think we, we, we do need to talk and we will be um, talking about how, how it works because we don't know at the moment how the order of uh, play um, we know that um, Deputy Mirfeld's got his Cersei motive that will that will be debated first. So that's that's what the rules are. I don't know what where it will turn from in terms of Deputy Parkinson's um, amendment and ours either. So we, we, we're kind of bit in the dark at this at the moment. So very difficult to know. I mean, I would hope. I mean, we have a no GST alternative, and what what our alternative is, it, it is proactive. It's not it's not a put everything off um, alternative. It's actually saying yes. We need to look at spending, but also we need to raise revenues now. We say that very clearly. But also we need to take a step and see where we are in a few years' time. You can't. We're trying to pretend that we know what a structural deficit is going to be in in 10 years time and we don't even know what it will be in two years time we know that's been such an uncertain period with covid brexit um, the war in ukraine all affecting things they affect us here in guernsey and really there's no, no stability there in understanding how things are likely to pan out what we do know is that we have a structural deficit we disagree to the extent that, that this is calculated but we do know that we need to uh, raise revenues it's just what we're trying to do here uh, you mentioned there the Cersei from Deputy Mirveld, otherwise known as a delaying motion. Do you do you give that much chance? Do you think that's going to succeed? Are we are we going to be actually talking about tax on Wednesday only for a relatively short time? I th I. Th I understand why why he's doing what he's doing. I mean, there's an element of of what he's doing within our policy, within our amendment itself. And when we're saying, look, we need to look at the spending side, but we've also got the flip side where we're saying, and this is these are the revenue raising me measures that are possible. I mean, we're saying here there's loads of things that um, P and R haven't looked at that we think could be addressed, and really getting them to go away and look at it, see what the impact of all that could be, and then come back early next term to bring it in because I think the fundamental, real fundamental problem with um, their proposals is they've come far too little too late. Um, we're, well, we're now over halfway through, nearly halfway through the this term and they were expecting to be able to bring in a whole new tax 
by the end of by by the end of this term and we think well that means a whole new IT system and when it's they're already behind on the revenue services program it means getting legislation through and that because the nearer and nearer you get to the end of term to what extent will deputies be willing to do that and if they can't get it in uh, even if it's very close to it that we will have an election on GST and I don't think that's good for democracy any election on one issue like that is not good and that's what we're trying to avoid here uh, and and so it, explain the timing of your um, review that's that's uh, explained in in your document your fair alternative uh, well, in terms of the election process and why why you've timed it the way you have okay well we, we we're conscious that work needs to be done this term and major pieces of work is looking at what government does what it could do differently what it could outsource what it might not do at all and that needs to report together with looking at corporate taxes by the end of this term then we've got a clean clean slate there to understand what we can do next then we've got um, policy and resources committee the new policy and resources committee in the next term been giving a year to put to look at the impact of the work that's done the revenue raising measures that we say should be done now the impact of the the understanding of the work that that has been done to see what impact that that could have they need to report back within a year of the election to say this is where we are this is what we now think needs to be done that might include GST, it might not. It might include dealing, um, restructuring other parts of, of the system. We don't know. But what we're saying is that's a time because then that gives plenty of time should a new tax need to be brought in for it to be bedded in and, and, we, and we can move on. What we're saying now is the PNR just left so much time to the um, that we, we, we're where we are at the moment. It's too late to be thinking about bringing in a new system. I don't think they're going to be able to manage it. If you succeed uh, in winning the support of a majority of deputies for your uh, proposals, uh, there'll be these committees set up, as we've mentioned a few times. Um, will you be keen to be on those committees? Well, I, I'm. <clears throat> it'll be completely up to the states. I would, I what, probably you, would volunteer if it, oh, to, to be on it, but it will be up to the states to decide who it thinks should, should would be the broad church, which I think we need of people to be able to look at it. And I think that that really is key. We don't want everybody thinking the same. We've got to have different views uh, to come something that we can come up with which is acceptable to the state. So if this succeeds, it will be known as, as the, the Salisbury Amendment for some time, I imagine. And you're in this for the long haul and you want to uh, see this through to the end. For me, I mean, this means a lot to me. I mean, for... I, I'm, I'm really conscious of where, where the island is at the moment and I think having lived through the last few years and understanding what people have gone through, the growing inequality on the island, which really, really concerns me. I know people who are who are really, really struggling, who weren't in the past, who were able to get by and now they're not. I, I, I hear the stories from those supporting people who are in a really bad way and I know we've got to do something better and I know that bringing in GST right now is not the thing to do and that's what I'm, tr I'm trying to avoid but come up with something that is positive and will support households in the way that the policy and resources proposals won't. Deputy Salisbury, thank you for making time to speak to the Guernsey Press today. Thank you.